Hi everybody, it's Tom from Cricket Coach 365 and welcome to our latest podcast. Hi everybody, it's Tom from Cricket Coach 365 and welcome to our very latest podcast and a huge welcome to our latest guest, Laura Cordingly. Laura is the Chief Executive uh, for Chance to Shine and we're very, very lucky and fortunate uh, to uh, have the opportunity for Laura to come and chat with us this evening. So welcome, Laura. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. And um, we're really looking forward to, to hearing uh, your story and, and your story in particular connected to sport in general, uh, but obviously uh, be interesting to, to hear about um, your role in Chance to Shine as we, uh, as we get the opportunity. But to begin with, it would be lovely to hear about how you first started finding an interest in sport and, and you know what age that was and who played a part in that and how it all began yeah thanks so um, i think you know i i was fortunate that i am I, um, I found a love for sport at primary school absolutely um and i don't think it was because i was naturally sporty but i just i love to do things that i found fun and, and enjoyable and for me that was just to me, it was games at that age, any sort of games that I could do, I, you know, whether it was hide-and-seek or what have you, I just loved it. And then I remember it was probably when I was about seven or eight um, at primary school, we had some really good teachers that were obviously into their sport. And I, I think it wasn't the fact that they were overtly sort of power of sport at, at that kind of age, but they just clearly loved it. Um, so for me, the, the two sports I remember doing the most at primary school was, was netball and was cricket. Um, and cricket, we had a, a teacher called Mr. Carr, um, and I think he um, had an affiliation with a local cricket club, not the village cricket club, but, but another cricket club. And um, it feels to me like I spent hours in the school playing field playing cricket on sunny days. Now, there's not actually that many sunny days or warm days in the northeast, so it was probably a, a bit of a, how I'm remembering through those tinted um, glasses, but you know, we just remember being on the field, he would bowl, you know, you'd have a bat, you'd, you'd enjoy yourself, essentially playing pick cricket, um, and, you know, just, just, just loving it, and it, it was brilliant. And on the other side, our, our school secretary um, played netball for, for a team that was based in Sunderland, as it happened, and um, I happened to be a very tall child, and I remember her you know, coming to see me one day and saying, Laura, do you want to come and play netball with the primary school netball team? Um, and I, I was I was seven at the time, and I was like, okay, yeah, well, like, why not? Um, and I remember the first, the, the only thing I remember is, you know, it's funny what you remember at that sort of age. The first thing I remember is um, the first match and being a sub, and then sitting on the school steps. We had these tiered steps that overlooked the, the netball court, and then um, getting towards the end of the game, and me suddenly thinking, oh, I don't think I'm going to get on. And, and I, you know, I said, I said, June, I said, June, well, I want to play today, and she's like. Not today, Laura. I remember thinking, oh, I was like really good. Um, and that's like my overarching first memory that I, I didn't get on. Um, but I mean, obviously after that, I just, I played and I loved it and, and it was great. And I think that for me just really cemented how much I loved sport. Um, and even as little as, you know, I would, so a tennis ball against the wall for hours. I was that kid. I'd just play, enjoy it. And, you know, for me, that, that was really how I got involved. Did you have, uh, I mean, are you uh, one of, um, yes, do you have siblings, you have brothers and sisters, or were they sporty? Um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm one of three daughters, so I, I'm the oldest. Um, and 
we, to be honest, we, we weren't a sporty family, not particularly. Um, my, my parents weren't particularly sporty. I, I do really credit June, our school secretary, for this on my, my sporting journey. And I, I guess I, I count myself really lucky that A, I was tall, and B, she saw something in me to say, Laura, do you want to come and join the team? I, I, I can't think that I naturally would have sort of gone, I want to do this, or my parents wouldn't have you know, said, Laura, you know, let's go and join a netball team. I did swimming as a kid. They took me to swimming lessons and, you know, my sisters did that as well. Um, but, you know, it really was that for me that, that got me into it, that, that one person um, telling me that she thought I should come along to a club, an after-school club. And, you know, my parents were supportive and, you know, we were fortunate that we had a car and so my mum could drive me to, to matches and things um, and, and it really did go from there but I think that's part of the reason why I'm so passionate about giving the opportunities to, to children because it really was chance and luck for me that, that that happened and I think every every child should have the opportunity to learn a love of sport whatever they want to do you know there really should be a sport out there for, for all young people. Uh, well, I, I couldn't have put it better myself. I think um, anybody who knows me knows that that probably is uh, written across me, you know, a thousand times. Um, and uh, and and I hear, you know, in in these podcast chats, it's really fascinating because there's some common themes. Um, yeah, you know, everybody's got an, an individual story to tell, but there's some common themes developing, and one one of those is about that kind of chance nature of finding um finding yourself drawn to a particular sport or to sport in general um and it you know chance does play a part in it um and yeah. you know if perhaps if if june hadn't been there or um you know you'd not um you'd not been tall for your age then you know you might not have um you know it got so involved in netball at that early age um but oh, absolutely but you know it's it's still it's great to hear how you know, a couple of people at primary school did play a positive influence, um, you know, despite growing up in the northeast, which is not known for its balmy climate. Um, and, uh, and, you, and you still, you know, really enjoyed it. Uh, and I think that fun element is absolutely critical uh, for, for youngsters uh, when it comes to, to playing a, a sport, which is you quite rightly call is a game which is supposed to be fun. Um, so having got, so having got the, the, the bug from, uh, from June, despite being a non-playing sub, uh, for your debut um how did things progress then for you in terms of your interest as you got a little bit older um again so you know again it, it, it was june again so you know having played for primary school her daughter played for a netball team that was based in Sunderland. so i mean it's not a logical step but again um, she said to my mom she said why don't you bring her along to the club um, and she'd come to to trials effectively so you know it's quite serious I guess back then straight away I was probably 10 um and so I remember my mom taking me to the trials with, with June and at the time I because obviously I was a, a, a giant um I was a shooter so you know I, I shot and basically because no one could get between me in the post I was fairly successful at that and um and I remember getting there and for the first time there was a couple of other really tall girls and I was like I've just never, ever come across anyone my age this height. And they were both shooting as well. And I, 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 I can't tell you what it was, but I went over to my mom and June and said, I think I'm going to try as a defender. And they looked at me like I was absolutely bonkers. And they were like, but you shoot? And I was like, I know, but I just think I want to try as a defender. So I, I put myself down as a, as a defender. 
and I was literally from that day onwards a defender for the rest of my netball career. Um, and I don't know whether that meant that's why I got in or you know or, or, or not at all. But um, so yeah, so I basically I played for a team called Sundale, and from the age of eleven to sort of sixteen, we would go around the country at weekends playing tournaments. Um, trained in Sunderland on, on a weeknight. Um, anyway, it was a brilliant. It was a really good club for for girls of my age to, to get involved in, in sport and. You know, at such an age, I've got so many fond memories of being on buses, you know, especially from the northeast to Bournemouth for tournaments and back again. And, you know, even little things like having a, being given a 50p piece by my parents to say, right, well, when you get back to Scotch Corner, give us a ring from the phone box and then we'll know what time we're going to pick you up when you arrive, sort of thing, you know, miles before mobile phones. Um, and, yeah, I just, I loved it, you know, so much fun, really helped me with my confidence at, at that age. And, you know, met so many different girl, girls from so many different parts of the country. Um, it was it was just great, and really that's that's where it started for me. And then I was fortunate that obviously displayed some talent. That's so why I sort of was picked up into the county system and, and regional system. Um, and from then, um, I got scouted for England trials when I was about sixteen. Um, oh yeah, so that was quite. Um, went to Sheffield to Ponsford, which one of the warmest sports centres in the world. It's got the swimming pool next to it. Um, and I had trials and I got into the what was the under 21 squad um, back then. Wow. And how did that feel? Do you know what I was asking? How did that feel? I think it, I just, I, I was kind of a bit overwhelmed, but at the same time, excited and a bit nervous about what it meant if I'm honest like I remember being at I remember being at the trials and my, my coach was not doing a different coach by this but you know coach said she's like oh you're doing well you're doing well but I don't think I ever really had thought about what it would mean if I got in if I'm honest I just kind of thought oh I'm just gonna do my thing and and see how it goes now obviously that changed over the years when it begins to mean a bit more and you understand it I guess a little bit more um and so, literally, I mean, I think I got selected, must have been sort of the April time. And then we had a tour to Australia in the summer, and it was the first plane I ever got on was to go to fly to Australia on netball, because um, we, as a family, we hadn't been on a, a foreign holiday apart from a camping holiday in France. Um, and that was just, like, such a mind-blowing experience. It was, it was amazing. So here's here's this um, individual who grew up in a, uh, a, 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 you know, a small part of the the northeast of England, got introduced to sport by chance, but also by uh, thankfully due to to June, who then um, ten ten eleven twelve years later uh, finds herself getting on a plane for the very first time to go, if, of all places, halfway around the world, selected to play for England under twenty ones to Australia. Wow, what what a story! It was it was quite um it was quite yeah it was it was quite a summer that way I have to say and, and the and the first place we went to was the Australian Institute of Sport in Canberra um so actually I guess for the first time yeah to me it was a real eye opener about what an elite athlete career and experience was like because um you know there they've got I guess at the time all their athletes were very centrally located so. You, you know, you could see the basketballers on the next court. We'd go and watch the gymnasts on our lunch break. You know, the swimmers were in the pool. And 
but even things like they were just it seems to me that they were so far ahead at, at that time of kind of our, our thinking you, you'd go to the um their canteen and you'd walk in every day and the food was traffic lighted so you could have as much anything that was green you could have as much as you wanted but if it was red you could have it once a week so you know you could see the, the fudge cake and things like that um, and uh, you know, to me, it was just it was it was an education, really, uh, more than anything else. Um, and it was testing. It was, yeah. Um, it definitely, I remember, you know, from a mental perspective, it, it being really tough. You know, out, out very much out of my comfort zone. Enjoyable, but out of my comfort zone at times, definitely. How how long were you there for? So I think we, it's a good question. About two to three weeks. Um, so right. we were in Canberra and then we went to, to Sydney. Um, I remember we, um, so again, the funny things that you remember, but we, we played a warm-up match um, before the Sydney Swift. So obviously back then, uh, like the equivalent of our Super League now was absolutely huge. And so we played a warm-up match and there was you know, a crowd of about 8,000 people. Wow. Um, but, I remember, I, I, but I remember Irene from Home and Away was in the crowd. And at the time, we were... So gobsmacked that Irene from Home and Away was 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 watching us play. Um, but the other thing that I really remember was we were, we were warming up, and um, I obviously hadn't noticed it in myself. But the team physio came over to me and she said, "Laura, are you okay?" And I was like, "Yeah." And she's like, "Because you look really, you look really anxious to me." And when she said that, I thought, "Oh, I am quite short of breath here." And, I'm pretty fit, so this isn't normal. And she was like, just have a sit down and just control your breathing a little bit. And I, I think I, I had not acknowledged the fact that like the auspices of the occasion had got to me, but you know, I was really fortunate that she she saw that in me and kind of just helped me through at that at that moment. And now I mean I didn't play very well in the match, I have to say, but um, you know, the, again, even that was a really good experience that helped me through my through my netball career and you know later on you know in life as well around just recognizing how, how you're reacting to things yeah that sort of physiological reaction uh, that um you know perhaps you're not that aware of when it first happens but um you know it once you've had that experience you're a little bit more attuned to it um you know we've we've got two boys and our older one um he's had a couple of moments like that where um you know unbeknownst to him something within within him was reacting just saying you know he needed to have needed to kind of relax and needed to kind of re- yeah. recharge um but you know he, he's he's keeled over a couple of times and um and uh you know it was completely out of the blue initially but it was it's just through um a combination i think of um you know nerves and adrenaline and exhaustion um yeah so but but yeah, I can. I mean, I'm I can, I'm sure. I don't know whether it was Irene that uh, tipped you over the edge, or that was a, a different occasion. But <laughs> but um, but I can I can relate to what you mean about pressure. And yeah, again, such a um, such an amazing transformation from you know playing um, playing locally to then going to the Institute of Sport in Australia and in front of eight thousand people. I mean, wow. Um, so so how 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 did things um, progress from there in terms of your playing then when you when you came back? So again, I am, um, you know, I, I played for the 21s for, so I, I was selected quite young into the squad. So I was just 16 when I was selected. So I, I played until I was about 21. Um, and then I am, um, I, I had a few senior caps. So as part, the, the kind of England set up back then, you would 
um, sometimes get senior caps if there was an opportunity to do that. Um, and again, I'll, I'll be honest, so, you know, obviously I, I, I was a good player because I got to that level, but there was two or three girls that were just on another level, you know, that were defenders that I, you know, I wouldn't say I was in awe of because I was like, you know, I am here and, I, and I'm playing, but I, I, I could recognise that they were just, you know, and, and they were the ones that went on to, to regularly play for, for the senior squad. Um, I kind of, um, I came out of the, the under-21 setter, probably again 21, 22-ish. Unfortunately, I had a, um, I had a really bad injury and essentially I, I couldn't train, um, unfortunately, like I, like I would want to. Um, I, I fractured my kneecap playing netball um, and unfortunately it was compounded by the fact that it went undiagnosed for, for a long time um, and by the time it was like seen to it was a bit too late if I'm honest um, but I, I at the same time I was still playing Super League so um, I went to uni at Loughborough and I played for, for Loughborough Lightning um, and I absolutely you know I just loved it it was just you know it was what it was you know I, every time I stepped on the court I just thoroughly enjoyed it like not the losses obviously <laughs> the experience the team um, and you know even though I did I ultimately had to stop because of my injury I could, I could not train at that level I couldn't sustain it and um, I don't begrudge it for a second because it, you know it just absolutely gave me so many opportunities um, I, you know I wouldn't be sitting here today if it wasn't for, wasn't for that even that ball like I'm 100% con- convinced of that um, so yeah, it, it was brilliant, and, and I did. I loved it. It, it was great. Well, people can't um, see you um, because uh, you know, but I but I have the, the 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 privilege of being able to to also see you as well as listen to you. And um, but it might be able to be conveyed in in the tone of your voice in terms of the you know the the joy that obviously that brought you, um, and you know the the happiness um, as well as all the experience that you've alluded to. So. Uh, but I can assure you, there's a, a big beaming smile, and um, not just uh, not just from a map from uh, from uh, Laura's mouth, but also her eyes uh, smiling when she talks about that. So um, it's lovely to hear how many happy memories that that uh, that created and that presented for you. Um, so, so at what point did you consider, uh, from a career perspective beyond the game, um, what what that would look like, and um, and what sort of options you had? with that ball there wasn't a full-time career to be made out of it so um even though I was a, a, I was a good player you know for me that, that was never a consideration about being a full-time professional athlete so I always knew I had, you know, there was always basically a decision on what career I wanted to do and if I'm honest probably in my teens even probably when I first got to university I, I, I would basically decide I wanted to be a PE teacher but but I think that was because they were probably the only people that I knew that had jobs in sport at that point. So, you know, I, I guess, you know, you, you, I, I'm a big believer in you don't know what you don't know. And effectively, you, you know, you, you run your product of your experiences to a certain degree. And, you know, I, I love my PE teachers at secondary school because clearly PE was my favourite subject. Like, I, 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 you know, I was the one that got my kit on quickest. I was always, always out the door and I'd do anything. And so I just thought, right, well, I, want, I love sport. I want to work in sport. Therefore, the job is PE. Um, and then as I went to university, um, I guess I became much more broad into the world of sport development, um, nutrition, sport psychology, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and if I'm honest, I probably 
if, if it, it, it's sort of 21, I could have chosen anything. I probably would have gone down sports nutrition, but um, at the time I couldn't, I couldn't afford to do the masters um, that, that effectively everyone else was doing to be able to take that path. It, it just wasn't an option for me. Um, so then again, through my through my netball contacts, um, there was a lady called Liz Broomhead. She used to be chair, I think, at England netball, and she knew I was in Loughborough, and she basically said to me, "Look, Laura, there's a there's a role that's coming up with the East Midlands." regional office at Loughborough like you know I think you should apply um, and again I, I don't know if, if she hadn't told me that whether I would have I, who knows um, and so effectively yeah, I, I applied for that job and that was my first job in in sport development um, based in the, in the netball centre at, at Loughborough which I, I loved uh, I did probably for about two years and um, but then if I'm honest what happened was I was working I was playing and I was coaching in one building from 7 a.m. till 10 p.m., probably six days a week. Um, and it, it just it got a bit too much for me. And, and I was like, something's got to give. And I wasn't prepared to give the playing or the coaching. So I was like, the job is what I'm going to change because I just felt like I needed some variety. Um, so I, I took a step out of that and I did a completely random job for like eight months um, in like a gift packaging firm. It was really random. But as soon as I started doing that, I was like, no, 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 this, this isn't right. Like, um, I love sport. I need to find what works for me. Um, and a job at Volleyball England came up to be like their um, National Club Development Officer, um, again, based in Loughborough. So I, uh, I applied for that and, and, I, and I got it. And I just, again, it was just a job that I, I really loved. Um, challenging at times, of course, um, but really, really enjoyable. Um, and I... As a result of that, I also took part of the youth development role, so a lot of work with counties and regions that were helping children take part in volleyball for the first time, and that just really resonated with me in terms of how much I believe sport can help change children's lives effectively. And how did you get involved with the MCC? So, yeah, so I am, um, after volleyball, I moved back to the northeast, and I am... Um, I purposely, so at the time, that was sort of around the time that I was injured with netball, so I knew I, I couldn't play anymore. Um, and I thought, actually, do you know what, maybe I'll you know, make a move away from Loughborough. And I thought, you know, I'll see what's coming up at home. And I wanted to try and, and do something that was more at a grassroots level. So my, both my jobs at volleyball have been national, sort of national officer roles. And I thought, actually, I really want to get involved to, to understand what it's like, like working directly with schools, with clubs, even though I'd had my own personal experience, of course. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I, I took a job at Durham and managing what was then called School Sport Partnerships. Yeah. Um, which, again, who are, um, I'm fortunate because I've had jobs that I absolutely loved. And it, it, that was just a wonderful job engaging children with all sports. Um, but as part of that, we forged a really good relationship with, with Durham Cricket. Um, and so, Graham Weeks, who's still there now, mm-hmm. um, so one of my first contacts in the world of, of cricket. Um, and, and it was brilliant because actually, so at that point it was the Cricket Foundation, but obviously, um, as it, we now know, a chance to shine. And from my perspective, if someone comes along to you, you know, my role was about helping children in state schools in Durham access sport, learn a love for it and, and develop through it. Now, if someone comes along to you and says, Laura, we've got this model, by the way, it's fully funded, and we've got coaches, we just need your help to get into schools um, and we need your help with the competition side of things on festivals. What do you think? 
I mean, it, it was just a total no-brainer. Um, and, and the clubs that were involved with, the clubs were just brilliant. They, they were so great. And I think for me, that was, it really reminded me about how cricket can be the centre of the community. So, you know, as I said to you, I grew up in a village where we had a cricket club in Edinburgh Street. It was the bar, it, you know, it, it was the pub, it was where people had birthday parties. It's obviously where people play cricket. Um, and I think that that really, that resonated with me. Um, and we also, we used, I guess, the power of Durham cricket, for, you know, the county football for, for a wider fall. So we um, we also engaged in a programme around cheerleading and dance with, with children from, from primary schools. And, um, and to be honest, that was, that was my first experience. So as part of that, there was a, a, a you know, I vividly remember there was, a, there was a young girl, she was about five or six from one of the primary schools. And her parents came over to me and they basically said, they were, our child was an elective mute before she started doing this programme. And she, they were like, she's just absolutely come out of her shell. And she, she performed in front of the T20 crowd at, at, you know, at the ground before a match. And they, you know, it, it literally brought me to tears when they said that. So I was just like, what, how powerful a, a change that can be for, you know, for a young girl. And I've no idea what she's doing now, but I hope she's, you know, on a, on a great path to whatever she wants to do in life. And um, so, anyway, so, so, so I did that. And then, um, as you may or know, not know, there was a lot of government changes and funding was cut just before the Olympics um, to the Schools for Partnership system. And um, that was a really tough, that was probably one of the hardest parts of my career um, in terms of working out what we were going to do. But fast forward, we managed to build a sustainable model. And, and once I'd done that and I knew the partnership was safe, I felt like there was another challenge for me out there because, you know, effectively I knew it was going to run independently. Um, and so I started looking for roles and there weren't too many roles at the kind of level that I was looking for in sport development in the northeast at the time. So I expanded my search and um, the MCC role came up, community development officer um, or manager, I think, at the time. Um, and I remember going down for the first interview and I'd, I'd never been to Lords before. But I had been to Wimbledon, so I'd worked at Wimbledon in my summer holidays at university. Um, and I just, I walked through the gate and I was like, you kind of, the hairs on the back of your neck go up, you know, like just this history and prestige and heritage. Um, and it was probably one of the most enjoyable interviews I've, I've had. And I kind of walked away from it. I thought, well, if I don't get it, you know, I'm in no worse position. But if I do, um, I've really enjoyed the people that I've met as, part of that and yeah again I was really fortunate I got the role um, and I started as the first um, community development manager for the club. So um, I, I'm, I've just written down the law of attraction um, and I don't know whether you know that um, that sort of philosophy but um, or that kind of uh, belief system but it basically means for uh, the benefit of anyone listening who doesn't really understand it it's, it's not about um, attraction in, in a physical sense it's a, an attraction in a kind of a um, everything fits together sense um, and um, it, there's no there's no such thing as coincidence or chance uh, so whilst people might be very modest and saying oh I don't know how this happened actually listening to you it sounds like a perfect example a real life example of the law of attraction where everything was meant to to be aligned that way uh, that um, you know every step of the way from that first time that you were given the opportunity to uh, to play netball for um, 
for their school secretary uh, at primary school all the way through to you know walking in the gates at Lords and having their the hairs on the back of your neck um stand up on end and and have that interview that got you the job uh, in cricket for the first time so um I, I, I don't know whether people are advocates of uh, law of attraction or not but anybody who uh, who who's who's not ready or, or or researched it they should have a look into it because I do think there's uh, there's, there's something in it um, and it sounds to me like you're you're a real life case study of that Laura um, well, I could say that I, I guess I've just always had the philosophy to take the opportunities that present themselves to you and then try and make the most of them if you get them exactly yeah absolutely and um, you know I think uh, all, all people can do is is applaud you for doing that. Um, so so MCC to chance to shine. So um, so how did that come about? And tell us tell us a little bit. And for those people listening who perhaps aren't that aware of um, the the amazing work that Chance to Shine does, um, please uh, please give us a, an an overview of uh, of what that is. Sure, thanks. Yeah, so um, so I was at MCC for for three years, and um, I was fortunate that the chief executive there at the time, Derek Brewer, was probably actually the first person that ever properly spoke to me about personal development, and you know, really sat down and said, "What is it you want to do? How can we help you? We know we can't keep you forever, so you know, what sort of things are that's gonna, you know, what do you want to do in the future, Laura?" And then. And I vividly remember having this conversation with him, and one of the things he said really struck with me. And he he basically said, you know, you can be successful being yourself. So if you want to be yourself, what is it you want to do? And as soon as he said that, I was like, well, oh, okay, because I think I had a bit of a perception about what a chief executive looked like and did, if I'm honest, and how they acted. And I I kind of thought, well, oh, I don't think I fit that perception that I have, obviously quite wrongly, sitting here today. Um, and I said to him, I was like, well, I was like, if, if, if the world were my oyster, I was like, I'd like to be a chief executive of a charity organisation, preferably in sport. Um, and when I was working at MCC, again, you know, I um, my, one of my responsibilities was to look after the Chance of Shine partnership. So on an annual basis, we do quite a lot of work with Chance of Shine. We had a, an open day at Lords of Year, which still continues in a non-COVID world, hopefully. Um, and so that gave me a, further insights. You know, I guess I'd, I'd seen the work of the charity at the grassroots level when I was in Durham. Um, and, you know, that real kind of how it works, coaches coming in, sports schools, children going to festivals at clubs, then sort of continuing their journey. And from a MCC perspective, we were a funder of Chance to Shine, so you know there was a, a significant relationship there. And um, at the time, it was around spirit of cricket, so probably more from a sort of strategic perspective around how the two partnerships work together and what the club was hoping to gain and what Chance to Shine was hoping to gain. So I found that you know hugely enjoyable. Um, and if I'm honest, I've always thought you know, and I'm not just saying in this because I'm sitting here, but I've always just thought Chance to Shine was a really special organisation and, and a really special organisation in sport because it's unashamedly really stuck to its purpose around state schools, um, helping boys and girls equally and around young people in disadvantaged communities through streets. So um, again, I guess talking about opportunities, when I was at MCC, uh, um, there was an opportunity to go to the Mayor of London's office on secondment um, to be um, Assistant Director for 
sport and volunteering. Um, so I, d- I did that. Um, and at the time, the chief executive, he did say, he was at Laura, he's like, you won't come back. And I was like, no, it's a secondment, Derek. I, you know. And then six months later, he was right. They offered me the job on a permanent basis. Um, but, you know, again, MCC was so supportive. He was so supportive that I did that. And then and when I was at the mayor's office, I got a call to say the chief executive job at Chance of Shine was available and would I be interested? And I mean, you know, for me, it was like a complete give my right arm for, for the role. Um, so yeah, so, so I sit here now. Um, I've been in post for, well, it'll be three years in April next year. Um, and yeah, so for those listeners on um, the podcast that aren't aware of Chance of Shine, effectively, we are um, a charity that was set up 15 years ago. And it was very much set up on the basis of what can cricket do to help young people. Um, not about producing the next single cricketer, um, but actually how can the game help young people to, to thrive and effectively how can we help them play the sport? Like our founders, so um, Lord King, Mervyn King, um, Mark Nicholas and Duncan Fernley had a shared passion for what the sport had given them personally. Um, and they wanted to still like give that opportunity and that chance to, to young people. So we, we work with around 5,000 state schools a year all over the country. And our street program operates on a weekly basis in 200 locations, again, around, around the country. And street is very much focused at um, supporting areas of disadvantage where there's a lack of traditional cricket clubs. But young people can obviously equally benefit from, from the sport. Um, and we work tirelessly to try and make sure that any young person is part of our programs. Firstly, has fun, hugely important. Um, secondly, has a chance to, to learn something through the game. And thirdly, um, develop as an individual, whether you know, that's personally, socially, or um, helping to improve their mental health, for example. Um... Well, I think uh, anybody who wasn't aware of what uh, Chance to Shine um, was all about has now got you know a very very good in- insight into into its purpose and core values. And I don't think anybody who's listening can deny the power of uh, of that kind of uh, vision and strategy and uh, and just uh, I guess um, on the ground impact because it it does make a difference. It does um, really uh, transform um, individuals and um, and groups of kids. Um, and uh, yeah, that that's spoken from somebody who's only had um, limited experience, but have, have been have been part of coaching delivery teams in Lancashire and Merseyside, um, and seen it. You know, seen the difference it makes. Um, and you know, five thousand schools sounds a lot, but uh, I know a lot of people who know me would uh, echo my thoughts. Wouldn't it be great if it was fifty thousand schools? Um, because uh, there is this uh, increasing gap that. Um, is uh, you know is very obvious and um, that's uh, between non-state schools and state schools when it comes to sport as a whole, but cricket in particular. Um, and just like you said, it not not from a perspective of trying to find the next captain of the men's team or women's team, but uh, just to give people equal opportunity. Um, and uh, and so the the longer that um, that chance to shine can. Uh, can continue to grow and develop uh, and help um, individuals in those schools uh, uh, the better as far as uh, I'm concerned um, so so what 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 does next year look like we've been through a really tough challenging time um, individually as families and and as organizations in 2020 so um, how's a chance to shine come through that and what um, what does the horizon look like going into 2021 
So you could sit there and go, okay, that's great. But actually, when we really drill down to the areas that we're in, we think there's still more work we can do. And we want to make sure that um, new people from all ethnic backgrounds get equal access to, to our work. So that's something we're really going to focus on um, in 2021. Well, we wish you all the very best with that because uh, there's there there are some amazing um, aspirations and objectives, and um, it's been uh, it's been a real joy to to listen to um, you um, describing your your journey, your story connected to sport, um, albeit um, in what, how you described it by chance initially. I, I'm actually uh, I'm actually a believer that uh, there was there was more to it than that. I think it was written in the stars that it was going to happen, um, and uh, and and to. To find you uh, and listen to you as um, as we all have speak so passionately about the power of sport and in particular the power of sport to to change and influence young people in a positive way uh, to have you in the position that you are um, currently as chief executive chance to shine that i would I would argue very strongly there's no better person so um, we wish you all the very best in your uh, endeavors to uh, to move the organization forward next year. Um, and thank you ever so much for your time, Laura. Not at all. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks for listening, everybody. As a reminder, each Cricket Coach 365 podcast will be released every Friday at 6pm on Spotify and Apple Play. After listening, please leave us a positive review on Spotify and share it with your friends and contacts. You can also follow us on Instagram at cricket underscore coach 365. Have a great day.